Hi there and welcome to Plant CEO. In today's episode, we have Chuck Muth, the Chief Growth Officer of Beyond Meat on the show. Hi Chuck, how are you doing? I'm very good enough. Very nice to be here. Great to have you on the show and uh, you're currently based in Florida. Uh, yes, I just recently relocated here to Florida, yes. Okay, awesome. It'd be great to start with, like if you had to review um, 2020 uh, for Beyond Meat, how do you think uh, the year has gone? Uh, not as expected. Um, we had a lot of momentum heading into 2020 uh, and particularly in our food service business. Our food service business was growing significantly faster than our retail business. Um, and then COVID hit in March. So once that happened, a lot of our uh, restaurant partners uh, both either shut down or have reduced traffic, in many cases reduced their menu offerings and so forth to simplify things. So the overall food service business uh, really uh, it didn't perform as expected in 2020. I think that'd be an understatement. Uh, on, on the other hand, though, our retail business did incredibly well. Uh, so that was really unexpected. I mean, we expected both to do well, but the retail business exceeded any of our expectations, whereas food service, you know, for all the reasons I just mentioned, uh, just, just we didn't get it done there. So, um, yeah, so that's 2020. Yeah, yeah and obviously it's um, many companies have been hit in this way. Um, and I think uh, food service still hasn't recovered even coming into, um, you know, the beginning uh, of uh, 2021 now, you know, still... Like, for example, here in, in London, we're still on lockdown and the restaurants aren't open. Um, so I think it was an important uh, part to invest more also on the retail side and obviously to be patient when things get back to or seem to get back to normal. Well, yeah, although we haven't stopped our innovation on the food service side we, and we continue to work with key partners there, it's not the, that we've completely shut it down. It's just that it's not where we expected it to be now. Having said that, um, it has throughout the course of the year improved somewhat uh, as, as restaurants have opened in different parts of the world. Um, it's not back clearly even close to where it was or expected to be. Uh, and this is not, as you mentioned in the UK, this is not just a US or North American uh, issue. It's re really a global issue. It's affected virtually everywhere in the world. The only place ironically that it hasn't really affected has, has been uh, some of the Asian countries, particularly China, uh, where things are fairly normalized uh, there at this point. Yeah, because uh, I think was it was it last year you entered uh, China with uh, also with Starbucks, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Right around when uh, COVID became became hit was really around April of uh, 2020 when we launched into China in Starbucks, uh, and then later in KFC and, and Pizza Hut. So, uh, yeah, it, it it really disrupted our plans even there. I mean, we were. I frankly expected to be there for the grand opening and, and it was really, really, um, we were excited about the, the, about it. But again, we have moved forward with, uh, with China and we are expanding uh, pretty quickly over there uh, and just recently announced uh, or are about to open up our first production facility in China, uh, which we're all very, very excited about. That will help us um, in terms of reducing costs and uh, making our products more affordable in that market. Yeah, and it definitely help you reach the scale that you need uh, for the for the market. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's a great move. But um, you were saying that you, you didn't see much slowdown though, even with food service in in China. No, no. Uh, you know, th there are other challenges with China. It's a, it's a it's a little bit it's different than Western food. So you really have to th rethink about uh, the type of products you're offering there. So 
uh, we're aware of that and we're, we're working toward uh, bringing products that are more familiar to its Chinese consumer. Um, but the market, the market itself is open. I mean, the stores are open, restaurants are open. Um, they have uh, regained their footing, I guess you would say. And um, things are more normalized, I think, over in China right now than, than most of the rest of the world. Yeah. And um, you mentioned about innovation. There's been uh, quite a few number of uh, new product launches. Uh, I'm sure you must be really happy about like the Beyond Breakfast Sausage and the meatballs um, being created. Um, how are they progressing in the market compared to the traditional burgers uh, that you have? Well, our, our traditional burgers are, our burger patties are still our, um, you know, our uh, uh, core item, you know, our most important uh, product and most well-received and also our first um, jump into, you know, uh, you know, the meat, the refrigerated meat section in stores. Um, but we're very happy with meatballs. We're very happy with the breakfast sausage links. We're very happy with our breakfast patties. I mean, they're all performing incredibly well and growing very quickly. Uh, we are still expanding distribution of some of those items, uh, but we do have broad distribution across our entire portfolio. Uh, so it's just, you know, just a matter of time before uh, uh, it gets out there. You may have read or seen that we just launched, uh, we're just launching now in, in CVS. That's both for our meatballs and our, our, our burgers. Um, meatballs will be in every location, but, but uh, the burgers will be in most, most, most of the locations. So, um, yes, yeah, so we're very excited again, not only about the growth within the retail, uh, conventional grocery channel, but also other retailers like drug. You can see where this is going as far as the category. It's really yeah. becoming ubiquitous. I mean, uh, so yeah, CVS would be a huge win. Uh, there's, there, how many stores do they have now in, in the U.S.? Uh, I, I uh, don't hold me. I think around 7,000 or quite a, quite a few. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So as, as well as getting your pharmacy goods, you can pick up some convenience food at the same time. Yeah, they actually have. They've always had a a, a small uh, grocery uh, part of the part of the store. Right. Uh, and and you know our our approach is very honestly. You know, we want to be anywhere where people are buying, where consumers are buying food. We want to be there. Yeah, and um, in terms of um, markets, um, so apart from from China, which uh, which were the other key markets for you last year, and um, which markets are you planning to enter this this year um well brazil was another key market we launched into last year um we're currently today in over 80 countries globally i, I think it's more now about building vertically rather horizontally we want to make sure where we've launched around the world that we're building an infrastructure and a supply chain to support those markets making sure that we have a marketing initiative that we can communicate to the consumers locally um, so i don't you know we're right now more about building vertically we are horizontally at this point we are in i would say most of the major countries around the world probably with the exception of india um, and again a lot of that's related to supply chain so we want to again make sure what we're doing we're doing well and then uh, once we feel comfortable with that we'll continue the expansion we do think it's a global brand it will be a global it'll be available in, in, uh, around the world yeah and do you see therefore india being a you know, a market for you to enter once the supply chains or, or maybe a localized factory like you've done in China would, would work better for you for that market? Um, yeah, India is unique. It has unique characteristics. It is a largely vegetarian community too. So yes. it's not, uh, meat analogs are not uh, something you're as much, you're certainly there are plenty of meat eaters there, but it's not something you're replacing like you would in uh, many other markets. Um, 
So again, I, I, I don't have, I can't discuss any future plans around uh, expansion in other countries other than to say that we are in over 80 countries and we are uh, really right now focused on building out our presence and our availability and our consumer acceptance in all of those countries around the world. So, um, and so we have our hands full, um, but again, we're, we, we do expect long-term to be a global brand available throughout the world. What if we took this cow off the table and just made friends with her? What if this guy grew more plants and we got protein from his beans, brown rice, and peas instead and made a great burger? What if burgers got healthier and the food we love had no cholesterol? What if we put it in our carts, on our menus, on our grills? What if your grandpa ate it and your whole team and his whole team? What if it didn't even stop there and we used less land and energy, put less greenhouse gases into the air? What if it was already happening? What if just taking the animal out of the meat made us and our planet healthier? What if we all go beyond? So um, you spoke briefly about, you know, how you're customizing products to local local markets. Um, can you explain on a little bit how you've done that, especially from products and also a taste preferences uh, point of view? Yeah, I think that's a little work in progress. I mean, we did launch uh, recently pork in China and other Asian markets because pork is such a significant um, you know, meat category. Um, we, we, we do, rec of course, we recognize that different parts of the world have different food preferences. And, and if you're going to be a global company, you're going to have to build capabilities to you know, address those opportunities. Um, so we're, that's still a work in progress for us. I will say that um, we are both aware of it and are putting resources against doing that. Um, we, will be, we will have an R&D presence in, uh, in, in Asia in particular. Um, uh, Europe, we may, it may or may not be necessary, but definitely in, Asia, in the Asian market where the food is very, very different, um, we'll add R&D capabilities in those marketplaces so that we can uh, better address the local uh, uh, food, food, you know, needs. But again, we have such an enormous growth opportunity with just our existing products today. Um, it's it's important, and, and we'll, 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 I do expect it will be there in, in the not too distant future. But right now, we have plenty of things to to focus on uh, with our existing line. Yeah, and um, last year um, you also launched this research that compared traditional meat burgers to Beyond Meat, especially with. Uh, different health attributes. Can you talk a little bit more about that study? Yeah, it was an, unre it was an unrestricted gift to Stanford University. So we had no, um, no, we had played no part in both designing or conducting the research itself. And so we had to live with the results, good or bad. Uh, fortunate for us, it was good. It was called Swap Meat. And basically we looked at um, uh, 80-20 beef versus our, our burgers, our, our beef. Um, and it showed that it, we did it by switching uh, to to a uh, a diet with beyond uh, beyond meat or beyond burgers. Um, it actually reduced cholesterol. Um, low actually had similar uh, sodium and and, um, and blood pressure results. You actually lost some weight, a little bit of weight. I think it was two pounds in total. Um, and um, 
yeah, so it was, you know, it was a, we believe, a favorable study. It also had something else. I'm going to have to look it up because I can't remember it. TMAO, uh, which is also re related to heart disease, actually lowered the TMAO score, which is related to heart disease. Um, so there were, it wasn't, we viewed that as a very positive result and it validated to, to a large extent some of the things that we believe right along that uh, switching to a, a plant-based diet is a, is, a, is, a, uh, is a good choice for you when you consider your health. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I mean, um, also the reversal of, of those types of diseases, whether it's type 2 diabetes, um, heart disease, uh, e even there's uh, been some research around cancer and Alzheimer's uh, when switching to a whole food plant-based diet. And, and that's something that you pay a, a lot of attention to, especially in terms of the ingredients that you're you're putting into your your products. Yeah, that's right. Um, we we use uh, we're all non-GMO ingredients. Um, we're not using any. We're using uh, plant uh, inputs um, uh, for all, all of our ingredients. Uh, uh, so we're we're very conscious of what we're putting in our products. Um, we are not taking shortcuts uh, to try and get there. In fact, the three biggest priorities we have for our R&D center is number one, to continue to improve the taste, sensory taste, color, transit color, the aroma and so forth of uh, animal meat with a hope that's, you know, with a, with a mission someday or, or a goal someday of actually being able to replicate the um, exact, you know, uh, taste of, uh, of an animal uh, product. Um, and then uh, secondly is to improve nutritionals. We want to make sure that we're continuing to lower things like sodium content and fat, particularly saturated fat. Um, we're already lower in uh, uh, both fat and saturated fat than animal meat, in fact, about 35% lower uh, than 80-20 uh, burgers, for instance, with no cholesterol, um, more iron, uh, fiber, and uh, so forth. Uh, but that's still a work in progress. We think we can get better, we will get better. And then third, and importantly as well, is lowering costs because if we can lower costs, we think at least in theory that our products should be cheaper than animal meat. And over time, we believe we'll get there. Um, if you consider the uh, resources that are put into uh, raising cattle or raising you know, uh, a pig and so forth like that, um, in theory, at least, um, we should be able to get there using plant, plant inputs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, raising of that cattle uh, is so important to the whole equation, obviously a uh, bigger picture around sustainability, but also I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, and they were saying that 90% of, you know, the cow goes for beef consumption. Uh, the remaining 10% is split between sort of leather goods and, and also the other byproducts around, uh, you know, bones and, and blood and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, but the way they said to also disrupt that market is also looking at um, uh, the leather goods industry, because that is also powering a lot of the profits that are going to, uh, you know, to the farmers, I guess. And obviously, we need to make sure that the farmers are doing something else uh, and still, you know, uh, you know, uh, creating more sustainable and, and cruelty free uh, uh, products and farming. Um, but do you have an opinion on that side? Like, obviously, there's, you know, the cow can be used in multiple ways. One way is beef, and the other is all these other by byproducts that get created. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I want to address the sustainability conversation a bit, but but first and foremost about the farmers, 
you know, most of our products come from farms. I mean, you know, pea protein is a, a core ingredient right. for us and fava bean and so forth. They come from farms. So we actually believe the farmer will profit more by switching over to a more sustainable crop that, um, uh, you know, rather than, again, raising cattle, which is a very, very expensive proposition. So, you know, we, we do believe that we are, um, uh, I think, beneficial to the farming uh, farmers out there in the farming community uh, in total. Um, and then as far as the environment, we did do another study on that um, at the University of Michigan in the U.S. Again, it was a peer-reviewed study that showed that our products um, are, uh, we use 99% less water, 90, uh, 90, uh, 90% less greenhouse gases, 93% less uh, land, and 46% uh, less uh, energy. So, you know, we, uh, we, we do have a sustainability aspect to an environmental aspect to our brand. You probably know, maybe, or maybe your listeners know, but you know, something like 25% of the world's fresh water is used for animal production, largely around beef, uh, and 33% of the land mass uh, today is used for some way for beef production. That's a very inefficient food crop, um, and um, and it's going to be difficult. Now, we do expect in, in that, uh, an, well, analysts expect that animal uh, meat consumption will continue to grow. In fact, it's expected to grow something like you know, 70% over the next 10 years, largely because of growing population, but also because we have countries around the world that are becoming wealthier. Think about China, for instance, and with that wealth comes a status symbol when you eat meat, it becomes more center plate item. That's not a good trend because if you imagine the numbers I just provided, that if it's gonna grow by 70 or 80% over the next 10 years, how difficult it's gonna be, even with more efficient methods of raising cattle to be able to support uh, that industry at that level. So we do believe because of that, we believe it's necessary in fact that the world needs to look at alternative ways to feed, feed the planet. And, 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 and plant-based meats and other foods are going, we believe going to be a big part of that. Um, so we believe we're on an upward trend. We think that trend will continue to grow. We think if not, if not only because of the things we talked about earlier about the quality of products and health benefits, but also because of the environmental impact and almost in, in land resource. It almost requires that we do grow, continue to grow. Yeah. Um, with those uh, markets that are, you know, growing in their population and they see meat as a status uh, symbol, do you think that needs to be addressed uh, from a marketing angle? Um, and whether it's Beyond Meat or other organizations, maybe NGOs, trying to spell that somehow? Um, you know, we don't, we, we try not to, we don't do negative. We try not to do any negative advertising. We're not, we're not that we are, we are, an, we are an educational, we do, we do a lot of educational, um, marketing and we'll continue to do that. We think the categories in, in total is doing that for the most part. Um, the government's going to play some roles as well. We know that, um, many governments around the world, including China, by the way, are encouraging more plant-based consumption, both for health reasons, but also environment. Many of them are environmental. Europe in particular, as you, as you know, uh, in Europe has been very much at the forefront of uh, getting that message out to consumers. Now, sometimes that comes in conflict with, with policy because you have big lobbying efforts and, and you know, that maybe interrupt that a little bit and, and create some contra, create some contra uh, um, conflict um, and contradictions. Uh, but I think in general, I think uh, most uh, countries around the world are very much aware of the environmental impact and are going to are beginning to encourage more plant-based consumption. Mm. So um, from a messaging point of view, um, what do you think is really important now to 
encourage a faster adoption to um, uh, Beyond Meat and other alternative uh, products? Well, I mean, keep politics out of it. I mean, just present the facts. I mean, there are lots of studies around, as you mentioned earlier, around the impact of eating um, uh, meats, especially red meats, around things like diabetes and heart disease and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and cancers. And so, I mean, just getting that information out there. And, and by the way, it is getting out there, not only through the government, but there are many uh, today in our, in our digital world, there are many ways to get that message out there. And it's really resonated, particularly with young people. Um, you think about some of the, you know, uh, what, what the health or uh, fork over knives or, um, you know, um, I mean, there are many, many, many documentaries out there yeah. more coming that are helping to educate the world. And the category is growing. It's growing very quickly. Uh, you know, the question is, could we speed it up even further and how do we do that? And I do believe education will be a big, big, uh, big part of it. Yeah. And um, can you tell me a little bit now about your background story? I know we've discussed it already, but it'd be great for, for the listeners yeah, to sure. know a bit yeah. more about that. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, uh, I worked for most of my career at the Coca-Cola company. Um, and uh, most recently, um, I was living in Maryland at the time, but I was actually the head of uh, uh, sales or commercial for uh, in Coca-Cola, what they call their venturing emerging brand or VEB unit. And what that unit did was a lot of CPG companies are buying up uh, smaller, um, you know, in most cases, healthier type products. So think about brands like Zico Coconut Water or Honest Tea. And once we acquired these companies, uh, my job was to figure out how to blend them together in a, a way that really kept the energy alive for these, these smaller brands coming in. Uh, and have a consolidated uh, selling and marketing organization. Um, I retired from that job at the end of 2016. And one of the companies that we acquired was Honest Tea, was uh, the founder of that company is a fellow by the name of Seth Goldman, who I believe was also on your, your show. Right. Um, and Seth uh, lived in Maryland as well. And we, we, we stayed in touch. And not too long after I retired from Coke, he, he called me one day and asked me if I would have lunch with him at his house and I went down and had lunch and he made a Beyond Burger and um, I was amazed at how good it was I wasn't really expecting it um, and he said look he goes the founder of this company is named Ethan Brown he'll be in Washington DC meeting some congressman this Friday would you care to meet with him and I said sure and so I went down to Washington DC and Ethan and I walked around DC on a beautiful early spring day sunny day beautiful day and talked about sports and we talked about life and we talked about philosophy we didn't talk that much about business honestly and but at the end of that hour walk um he handed me a piece of paper it was a job offer and he said chuck he goes i'd like you to move out to california and help me change the world and in the way the world views food and and uh, that's almost exactly how it happened and so i spoke to my wife and we ultimately decided to sell our home in maryland and relocate to california so that was about just about four years ago now um and uh, at the time, I think in 2016, we were US, US turnover about $16 million. So it was a very, very small company. I, my joke is that I could yell down the hall and touch virtually everyone in the company because they all were in a small office. And, and uh, it's, it's obviously not the same company as it was four years ago. It was really a good timing because you know, we were doing something that really hadn't been done before. And that's instead of targeting a vegan vegetarian, um, we began to target flexitarians and meat reducers and provide foods that they were comfortable with. So it wasn't your typical bean burger or mushroom burger. It was something that began to actually replicate the sensory experience of eating animal meat. That's always been our objective. 
We even merchandise in most, in, uh, particularly in North America, in the meat section. So we never, and OCHAD, again, hadn't really been done in any scale before. But uh, now today, if you were going to any supermarket in North America, in fact, in many parts of Europe, you'll see this enormous meat section, okay, that's in the meat. That didn't exist just three or four years ago. So that was very disruptive in its own right. Um, and that's, again, that's how I got experience with it. That's how I got, was able to come over to the company. And honestly, it's been an amazing experience. And the reason I did it um, wasn't financial reasons. Uh, certainly the money's great. And I'm not anti, I'm a capitalist. Um, but uh, I had been retired and, and it wasn't to come back for money. It was really because my wife and I looked at what Ethan was doing and what, uh, how we felt it was really an important mission and something that when you think about your career after work, after you've done, that you want to look back on it and think about the things you've been, accomplished, you've been able to accomplish. And I felt this was something I, I, that, would, that, would, that would do that. And so we, again, enough that we uprooted uh, ourselves, which is my wife and I moved to California. It's been great. Yeah, and uh, of course, it's an incredible mission that you're on, uh, and uh, it needs to happen, and it obviously needs to happen faster, uh, for sure. So, yeah, it was a good move. Yeah, it, well, and, and it was a really good move. And, and again, but at the time, you have to remember, it was a $16 million company. It was a very, very small company. Um, and uh, But it's been a, a great experience. Ethan uh, is an amazing individual, amazing visionary leader, as is Seth, who you've met already. Um, and so it was, to, to be a part of this, play a small part in this has been, uh, it's really, really been terrific. Yeah. Um, can you talk about uh, new uh, product categories that you'd like to go into and, and your growth plans as much as you can say, you know, competition uh, permitting, I guess, and uh, not to give any way, uh, any, any sort of trade secrets away, but is there any sort of product categories you would like to, to enter? Well, within the uh, meat category, um, you know, they're obviously chicken, poultry uh, is, a, is a, still a boy for us. Um, you know, things you think a little thing about like bacon and things like that. So if you, but if you look broader than that and say that anything that is animal derived uh, food uh, is open game for us and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look at it, I'm sure. At some point, um, and again, I, I, you're right. I can't share uh, specifics right now for both competitive reasons, but also because we're public and it's not out there. But um, but we uh, we do we do have high ambitions. We are at our core an innovative company, really a food innovation. We lean into our food. We're not just a tech company, but we're food innovation, um, and we put a lot of our resources against innovation. Um, we have. Um, I think north of, north of 150 food scientists, many, many PhDs on our staff. Um, we just announced this past week, we're opening up a 280,000 square foot R&D and business center in, uh, in Los Angeles, near LA, in El Segundo, near LAX airport. Uh, so we're investing, going to continue to invest in R&D development. Um, it's a core part of what we are as a company. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of things come out from that R&D center. Over the years. Yeah, yeah, great. So if, if there's any food scientists also watching uh, and uh, want to be relocating to LA, that might be a good port of call. Yeah, and, and you know, and again, like for the reasons that I said earlier, how I came out there, many people see it the same way. I just did an interview this morning before I came on your, your show here um, with a food scientist. He's a very experienced, very a PhD, a very, uh, you, know, um, you know, very experienced and uh, knowledgeable food scientist. And, 
he said, you know, one of the reasons he's considering coming, he wanted to come out was the mission, being part of something that is going to be special and, and makes a difference in the world, both environmentally, but, but human health as well. So, and, and not to mention, you know, the 166 billion animals a year that are killed for, for food production. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen some uh, interviews with Jim Cramer uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely now converted uh, to be a Beyond Meat fan, uh, whereas before he wasn't, right? And I think o- over the conversation, he's since he's tried those products, um, there's something to say about that, right? Where, where you have somebody who has a very strong belief uh, or view on a product, but once they try it and they see the momentum of the of the products, they, 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 they change their opinion very quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the way he sees it first is category. I mean, the category has to be a robust growing category um, to get anybody in the financial community um, excited about any brand in the category. So, I mean, the category itself is really a critical part of this conversation um, and there will be lots of competitors there. And that's probably a good thing. I mean, because you're not going to grow it on your own. You're going to need, a robust competitive environment. And we're certainly getting that as virtually every major meat company uh, and many others have come into the category. Um, and I think he's bullish about the brand within the category because we are an early mover in this um, transformation to different types of plant-based foods. It's not that there were plant-based foods before, there were plenty of plant-based foods before, but they hadn't taken the approach that we're taking, not only from a product development, but also merchandise uh, impact. Um, so as a, as a, as a first in brand or, or one of the, one of the early brands, I should say, um, uh, we have an advantage and, and we have an advantage and we have a credibility advantage with a lot of consumers, particularly young consumers. Um, and you know, it's going to be our challenge and our, and our responsibility to continue to innovate in that space and continue to stay at the forefront of that innovation. And we will do that. And that's, that's where we're committed to, to those investments and, if we're going to, if we're going to continue to thrive, we're going to have to do that. So, um, yeah, so that's why I think he's bullish about the brand. It's also yeah. the category. Yeah, that's great. And, um, finally, where, where do you, uh, feel that you'll be spending most of your time on what sort of division area, uh, are you going to be focusing your, your growth strategies on? Yeah. Well, international is going to play a huge role. I mean, um, you know, we're well-established in North America. We're in every, almost every major retailer in both the U.S. and Canada, and now, into, and now well into Mexico. Um, so it's going to be international. It's going to be, there's certainly a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity international leaders. Even look at Europe alone. Europe is a much more, is a much more populous uh, area than the U.S. and are very highly educated, knowledgeable around, um, around this category. So, you know, I would expect to see Europe to be uh, in, in places like China and Asia and Brazil and India. I mean, ultimately all the world. I mean, there's just such a enormous opportunity for expansion, both, both um, horizontally and vertically. Um, and so we will, um, I, I see my time uh, being shared. I mean, I have, we have a wonderful team uh, behind me. It's not just, certainly not just me, but but uh, you know, uh, but my my attention is clearly looking outward into uh, international markets. Great. Well, I, I wish you the uh, the best of luck for for that growth in in international and continued growth in the US. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope to see you again soon. Thank you very much, and I appreciate being on today. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye.